Amen. Thank you, Brother Frank. Hey, it's good to be in church this morning, isn't it? We're continuing our study in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, as we've been doing all year on Sunday mornings. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're not going to quite finish this year. Well, that's all right. Lord willing, 2024 will come, and we'll just keep going. Amen? And so we praise the Lord for that. So our theme for the year, church, is what? It is church matters. And so since church matters, what we're coming to understand is that it matters how we church. Now, in this section of 1 Corinthians, what we're finding is that God is a God of order. And that God desires that his church operate decently and in order. Now, the church at Corinth was out of order in a number of different ways. We saw a couple of weeks ago in chapter 11 that they were out of order in their, their understanding and their implementation of gender and gender roles. That God has certain things he wants men to do and God has certain things he wants women to do. Amen? And God is clear on those things. And so we've seen the last couple of weeks how the church of Corinth was out of order in their gatherings. Some of them were showing up and getting drunk before they took the Lord's Supper. Some crazy stuff going on at the church at Corinth. But not only were they out of order in their understanding of gender and in their gatherings, but we're going to find over the next three chapters that there were some things simply out of order in the way that the church of Corinth understood and implemented their spiritual gifts. Now, we're going to slow down here. Probably chapter 12 will be the last chapter we make, through, make it through this year. And we're going to slow down a little bit because this. It is essential for us to understand how God has gifted believers and thereby gifted his body. And if we're going to have a healthy church, we have to understand spiritual gifts. The church is the assembly that God has called out from the world and that God has called together in his name. And so we assemble together, why? Well, we assemble together to worship the Lord, to exalt the Savior. But we also come together to allow the Lord to work in us and to work through us for his glory. And a proper understanding and utilization of our spiritual gifts are, are a big part of what God desires to do in and through us. And what we're going to find is that this church at Corinth, they had all of the gifts. And yet this church was still one of the most carnal and chaotic churches of that day. So much so that Paul said, I almost hope an unbeliever doesn't walk in because if he does walk in and sees you people, he's going to think you're crazy. And that's not how the church ought to operate. Now, the church at Corinth had issues with spiritual gifts, but before we get on our high horse and look down our pharisaical noses at them, so do we. You know what I find is I find that many Christians in the world today have no awareness of what spiritual gifts are. They have no awareness. Many Christians have no appreciation for the spiritual gifts that they have been given. And many Christians, even at harvest, fail to apply the gifts that they have been given. Well, we hear things like, well, I've never done something like that before. Or that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. Or don't we pay staff to do that kind of thing? And many Christians, we have no awareness, we have no appreciation, and we make no application of the gifts that God has given us. 
And yet what we're going to find is that according to God's word, the body of Christ cannot display the beauty of Christ until each believer in Christ is contributing as they ought. And so we're going to start our study this morning simply this, order in the church, understanding our spiritual gifts. Let's look this morning. We're going to begin in verses 1 through 3. Paul says, now concerning, that phrase there tells us, we're moving on to a new topic. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, Carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So let's start this morning, verses 1 through 3, with a proper understanding of our spiritual gifts. So we're going to start with a proper understanding of our spiritual gifts. If we learn anything from these first three verses, is that God doesn't want us to be ignorant regarding spiritual gifts. Ignorance is the gateway to a whole lot of harm, a whole lot of confusion, a whole lot of misinformation and misdirection. Now, church, God doesn't want us to be ignorant, but there is a whole lot of ignorance out there about what spiritual gifts are. Very often, I'll talk in my office with people, and perhaps they'll have a different understanding of spiritual gifts, and we'll get into some of that as we get through chapters 12, 13, and 14, and and they'll say, well, what what about, for instance, speaking in tongues and I'll say well let's go to the Bible this is what the Bible has to say about speaking in tongues does this line up with what you think is taking place no but well wait a minute if we've looked at God's word there should be no but behind it You see, our understanding of spiritual gifts is is not based on what the preacher said. It's not based on what I feel inside of me. It's not based on what grandma or grandpappy said or did or what this church or that church. Our understanding of spiritual gifts, just like our understanding of anything spiritual, has to be based on God's word, period. No but, no what about God's word, period. And by the way, God gives us a lot of information on this book regarding spiritual gifts. He gives us three whole chapters in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. He gives us a whole chapter in Romans, Romans chapter 12. He gives us a whole chapter in Ephesians. He gives us a whole chapter in Peter, or most of a chapter in Peter. Over and over and over again, God gives us information on spiritual gifts. So what are spiritual gifts? Let's start by defining some terms and seeing what spiritual gifts are not. Because this is where some of the uh, confusion comes in. So let me say first that spiritual gifts are not the same thing as the gift of the Spirit. Peter, in the the, the sermon at Pentecost, he references the gift of the Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He talks about how uh, if people repent and believe as they're baptized, we see what? That ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is not the same thing as spiritual gifts. What is the gift of the Holy Ghost, preacher? Well, the gift of the Holy Ghost refers to the fact that at the moment we put our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to permanently indwell us and live within us. 
The Holy Spirit lives in us as a seal of God's possession, as an earnest or down payment on our full and final redemption. And so the gift of the Spirit is the fact that when we trust Christ, the Spirit of God comes to live within us. So spiritual gifts are not the same thing as the gift of the Spirit. Let me give you another one. Spiritual gifts are not the same thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A little later in 1 Corinthians 12, we see in verse 13, we see this reference. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been all made to drink into one spirit. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit refers to the fact that the moment we believe in Christ, that the Holy Spirit of God spiritually places us into the body of Christ. That when I trust Christ, that I am spiritually in Christ. That's the baptism of the Spirit. That the Spirit unites me with the body of Christ. And places me into the spiritual body of Christ the moment I believe. So the the spiritual gifts we're going to look at, it's not the same thing as the gift of the Spirit. It's not the same thing as the baptism of the Spirit. Let me give you another one. Spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. We see the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, the fruit of the Spirit ought to be uh, evidenced in the life of every believer. We all ought to see the Spirit of God producing love in our lives, joy in our lives, peace in our lives, goodness in our lives, meekness in our lives, the gifts of the Spirit. I don't have the same gifts that you do. You don't have the same gifts that I do. The giftings are different. And so the fruit of the Spirit then refers to the character qualities and the virtues that the Holy Spirit will produce in every believer when we live a life yielded to the Spirit of God within us. And so spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. So they're not the same as the gift of the Spirit. That's when the Spirit of God comes to live within me. It's not the same as the baptism of the Spirit. That's when the Spirit of God places me into the body of Christ. It's not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit of God is producing in me in character and virtue. Finally, this morning, spiritual gifts are not the same as natural talent. And so spiritual gifts are not the fact that God made you a good woodworker or God necessarily gave you musical talent or allowed you to dribble a basketball or read the stock market or whatever. Spiritual gifts are not the same as natural talent. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts, then, are the gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit. They are skills and abilities that are given supernatural enablement or assistance by the Holy Spirit of God in order to benefit the body of Christ. Now, it's kind of a mouthful, so we'll do it again. Spiritual gifts are gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit, and they are skills and abilities that are given supernatural enablement or assistance by the Holy Spirit of God to benefit the body of Christ. 
Now, I want you to notice here in verses 2 and 3 that Paul contrasts the imprisonment that that they had when they were lost, how they were carried away, Uh, they were captive to the dumb idols. They lived imprisoned by these idols. He contrasts that with the impact and the influence of a life led by the Holy Spirit. How a life led by the Holy Spirit will declare and live that Jesus is Lord. You with me this morning? I'm going to tell you, in that right there, we find a very basic test for spiritual gifts. Is Jesus, his person, his work, his message, his body being loved and lifted up by the operation of this gift. Now, if the person, work, name, and glory of Jesus is being dismissed, being distorted, being detracted from in any way, guess what? It ain't a gift from the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you that right there, that simple test is a red flag because much in our world of what is attributed to the gifting of the Spirit has nothing to do with Jesus at all. I would recommend, but I don't recommend, taking a short gander at the nonsense that's on YouTube. There's one individual, he calls himself a preacher or a prophet or something, and he believed he had the gift of the Holy Spirit to blow away COVID-19. So you can find him on YouTube. COVID-19! And claimed that that was a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's nonsense. That's what that is. In love, that's nonsense. I tell you, there's other people. You can find them all over. They they, They say that they are gifted by the Holy Spirit regarding prophecy. And it amazes me how much their prophecy has to do with Donald Trump. Well, God told me he's going to put Donald Trump back in. By the way, I think they need to go back and read what happens to people who claim to be prophets whose prophecies don't come true. In Christian love. You find manic, I would even claim in many instances, demonic convulsions and utterances and All of it's contributed to the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, that ain't of the Holy Spirit. It may be of a certain spirit, but it ain't of the Holy Spirit. Because my Bible tells me that when the Holy Spirit works in us, that when the Holy Spirit gifts us, that the Holy Spirit is going to gift us and use us to love and lift up the name and work of Jesus. Jesus himself, John 15 and verse 26, had this to say, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Speaking of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, church, that right there is a proper baseline understanding of what spiritual gifts are. It's not the gift of the Spirit. It's not the baptism of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's not natural abilities you may have. It is the fact that the Holy Spirit of God wants to equip and to use us to lift up and build up the name, the work, the message, the body of Jesus Christ. We see a proper understanding of spiritual gifts. That's not all we see here. 
Look with me at verses 4 through 6. Now there are diversities of gifts, many, many, many different kinds, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, meaning, meaning they work in different ways and do different things, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, meaning they, they produce different effects or results, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So after we have a proper understanding of our spiritual gifts, I think we need to stop and recognize, secondly, the planned uniqueness of our spiritual gifts. You see, God is a God of creativity and diversity. You look at creation, no two fingerprints are the same. No two snowflakes are the same. No two leaves, no two sunsets, no two sunrises, no two personalities. That's good, right? Because the world could only handle one of us. Amen? Amen. Notice... That all of the Godhead is involved in the giving and operation of the gifts. Verse 3 highlights the Spirit. Verse 5 highlights the Son. Verse 6 highlights the Father. And so all of the Godhead is involved. And what we find is that our gifts are divinely distributed to us by the Holy Spirit. And that the Lord works in us and through us as he sees fit. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 11 reminds us of that. But all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit. Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So, and we're going to talk about that more in weeks to come. But this is what I need you to understand from this this morning. Simply this, if you are a Christian, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God, the Spirit of God lives within you, and you are uniquely gifted by God for his service. You are uniquely gifted by God. Hmm. And God gifts us as he pleases. Christian, may we never forget that we are his workmanship. He is the potter and we are the clay. The grace that God gives us is not just for salvation, but also for sanctification and service. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tell us this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And very often we stop right there, don't we? I think we do a disservice because verse 10 tells us this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, after God saves us, he gifts us and equips us and continues to work in us and desires to work through us for his glory. And you and I are uniquely gifted by God. We're uniquely gifted. We've said it often around here. Uh, not to compete with one another, but to complete one another. And the diversity of our gifts, they work together to produce the full spectrum of results that God desires for his glory. Now our differences and diversities are empowered by God according to his divine design. I want you to understand this morning, no matter how young or how old you are, no, no matter how new in the faith or seasoned in the faith that you are, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And you are his workmanship to that end. 
He wants to use your personality, your preferences, your passions, even your past experiences. Moreover, what we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians 12 is that God has divinely enabled you to contribute to the building of his body in a unique and powerfully essential way. We have to be careful, church, that as we view the differences and diversities within the body, that we don't feel we have to compete with one another or be distrusting of one another or be intimidated of people who are different than us. No, rather, as a church, we ought to embrace our differences and diversity because we don't want clones. Doesn't it make you uncomfortable? When all people are like exactly the same. You ever, you ever walked into the room and like everybody's the same? I mean, they all have the same haircut. They all talk the same, use the same phrases. Maybe they're all about the same age. They all have the exact same in, in, uh, interests. You know, that's not a church. That, that, that just might be a cult. Um, you know, God's not after clones. And God doesn't want a cult. We want a church. And the beautiful thing about a church is that the church is made up of all people, of all ages, of every tribe and tongue. I love the image we get in Revelation 5 after the church has been raptured to heaven. Revelation 5 and verse number 9, we see this. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. They're singing a song of praise to Jesus. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. That's the church. People from all over with all sorts of interests. You know, you can, you can be a part of the church and root for Ohio State or Michigan, and it's okay. I'm meddling this morning, right? I'm meddling this morning. But it's okay. We want a church. And what we have to see is that concerning the church and our spiritual gifts, that God has divinely and intentionally planned a uniqueness to our individual persons that make this church all that it should be for his glory. Now, having highlighted the planned uniqueness of the gifts, we're going to end this morning by looking at the practical unity of the gifts. You see, we're not given these unique giftings and enablements so that we can just be a bunch of Lone Ranger oddballs. We're given these unique gifts so that we can come together and produce beautiful unity. Did you notice verse number seven? Simply says this. But the manifestation, so verse 4, 5, and 6, there's diversities and differences and diversities and different things, different places, different results, and difference, 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 difference. But the manifestation or the appearing or the outworking of the Spirit is given to every man, why? To profit with all. Now let me define that word for you. The word profit with all really can be I understood by us as simply this, the common good. 
the common good. And so in other words, God has uniquely gifted each of us so that we could come together and that we could build something good for the glory of our God. I love the Greek word behind profit with all or common good. It's the Greek word sumphero. It's the same word from which we derive our English word symphony. How many of you have ever been to the symphony? Maybe when the Toledo Symphony comes to Fremont or Clyde for a uh, Christmas thing. Uh, maybe husbands, uh, your wife had you do it or you, you willingly went and it was wonderful. Amen. Amen. And uh, how many of us, raise the hands, have ever been to a symphony? What do you notice about the symphony, right? Even our orchestra, our wonderful orchestra, we have strings and, and we have brass instruments, we have trumpets and we have saxophones and we have flutes and we have guitars and, and we, we even have accordions. I don't know even what family of music the accordion goes into, but we have it, amen? Amen. What would that be, Miss Jean? Polka. Well, I was thinking string, brass, woodwind, but we'll go with polka. All right. Amen. Oh. Thank you. But what happens? They all come together and they do what? Produce beautiful, profitable. Harmony. You know, that's why God gifted you. So that we could come together and by His grace and for His glory together produce beautiful, profitable harmony. Now let me give you a couple of thoughts here. That's why coming to church matters. It's hard to have a symphony when everyone is isolated in their own practice room. Facebook and radio are wonderful for what they are, but Facebook and radio are, are no substitute for coming to church and being a part of a church. I want to tell you in love this morning, God wants you in a local church. God wants you utilizing your gifts in a local church for his glory. Being a part of that harmony together with other believers. I've had people ask me from far away or out of state, can't we just be members of your church by distance? And my counsel is always, if it's humanly possible, no. Because I can't give you way over there what a local church can. And I can't give you what you need. And so if it is humanly possible, you find a local church. It's not going to be a perfect church. It's not going to be a perfect church, but you find you a local church that you can just jump head first into and utilize your gifts for the glory of God amongst that group of believers. That's why coming to church matters. Because you can't have a symphony when everybody's isolated in their own practice room. This is why coming to church for the right reason matters. Because it's hard to have a symphony when everybody wants to be served and no one wants to do the serving. Church, this is why loving one another, preferring one another, serving one another, and forgiving one another matters. Because it is hard to have a symphony when everyone is a soloist. 
One of the issues we're going to find as we look at 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is that the church at Corinth, they were showing up in order to show off. They weren't showing up in order to be a part. They were showing up in order to show off. Now, let me stop and pause here for just a brief moment. The reality is some gifts, just like some instruments, are going to be more visible than others. That There are certain gifts that are just more naturally seen by the community and by the congregation. But let me tell you this, there is no such thing as a small gift. There is no such thing as a small part. If you've ever had one of them little vertebrae in your back or neck get a little wonky, you know that to be the truth. There's no such thing as a small part. But imagine with me for a moment... Imagine with me if our orchestra went rogue. It's hard to believe. Imagine with me David Weirich stood up and he said, we're going to sing hymn number 500, Saved, Saved, Saved. And George said, you know what? I don't really want to play that on my guitar today. I'm going to play I Love You, Lord. So George is there strumming, I love you, Lord. That's not how you strum, but that's how I strum, all right? <laughs> and what if, what if Jean on her accordion said, no, George, stop that. That's not what we're doing. My accordion wants to play, I'll fly away. What if Amy and Faith on their violin said, none of those really fit, none of those really highlight the beauty of our instruments. And so uh, we're going to play How Great Thou Art. (laughs) And Dave's up here singing and the pianist is doing something. Imagine if the orchestra went rogue. You would say, preacher, it would maybe be funny at first. Oh, but it wouldn't be funny for long. It would be confusing. It would be chaotic. It would would be unpleasant. It would be harmful. I, I wouldn't want to be here or be a part of that. But better yet, how many of you know Bill Brown plays the trumpet? Yeah, Bill Brown plays the trumpet. What if in the middle of... The invitation, Bill Brown decided, now's my time to shine. Woo! How would that go? Thank you, Mr. Brown, that's enough. You know what so often happens in churches is if we're not there to outperform one another or argue about whose instrument is best or who's being seen or who does this or who does that or who's more effective or I'm not like him or I'm not like her or I'm just this or I'm just that, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Because the reality is it's not about whose instrument is best. It's about coming together in beautiful harmony so that we can show the world that Jesus is best. That's what 
We want the world to see. I don't want the world to see me. I don't want the world to see you. I want the world to see Jesus. I want the world to see his grace and his love. I want the world to see his power on and in us. I want the world to see the peace of God in this place. I want the world to see Jesus. And I'm going to tell you that happens. And that really only happens when every one of us come to see that God knows what this symphony needs. And that God has created a space for every one of us to contribute. And we need to submit to his leading. Take our seat and play our part. You know, order in the church requires the proper operation of the Christians in that church. But I got good news. God's gifted us for that. God has placed in this body everything we need to create a beautiful symphony to display the glory of our God to this world. And when we come together, God can produce something beautiful in and through us. As we consider this morning getting ready for a time of invitation, let me ask you this. Perhaps this morning you realize I'm not really involved. I'm not really involved. I don't know what that gift is. I don't know what my giftings are. I'm not really involved. I'm here, but, but I'm not contributing. If that's you this morning and you recognize, you know what, I'm not really involved. I want to encourage you in love. You need to be. You need to be. We aren't the church that we should be without you. And if you weren't needed, God wouldn't still have you here. I wonder this morning if there's some who maybe aren't sure where to start. Let me give you some practical counsel this morning. If you're not sure where to start in regards to spiritual gifts, first of all, ask. Pray that the Lord would show you. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God. Sometimes we have not because we ask not. Ask the Lord that he would show you. Ask leadership. You know what? Sometimes you may not know what the needs of the congregation, what the needs of the body, what the needs of the community are. And perhaps just a simple question could spur us to finding where the Lord would have you be involved. Ask. Just ask. I would also say, Seek awareness. Study diligently what God's word has to say about spiritual gifts. Uh, we're going uh, to be in this chapter, really, I think for the rest of the year and hopefully give you a greater awareness of the ways God gifts his people. I, I, would, I would tell you, too, to consider your aspirations. What desires has God given you? I would, consider, I would, I would counsel you, too, to just get involved. Be active. Sometimes activity does what? It reveals ability. And then in time, we find affirmation. We see the blessing and success that God produces in and through us. God has you here for a reason. God wants to use you to, to manifest his glory in this body. I'll ask this as well this morning before we close. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning and we talk about spiritual gifts. We talk about the Spirit of God living within us. But, but that's not you. you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. There's never been a point in time in your life where you have uh, turned to the Lord Jesus, put your faith and trust in Him, that He died on the cross for your sins, that He was buried and that He rose again. Maybe there's never been that time where you have put your faith and trust in Christ and received Him as your Lord and Savior.
I want to encourage you and clarify for you this morning, if, if that's you and you're not a Christian, you've never received Christ, then all of this stuff about spiritual gifts, none of it applies to you. None of it applies to you until you personally receive Christ. And in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. What that is, is that's an opportunity for us to respond to God. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, would you respond to the Lord this morning? Get my attention. Get someone's attention. Allow us to take the Bible and show you from God's Word how you can be saved. At the end of the day, the reality is this, church. God has something for every single one of us to do. You know what that means? That means in this invitation... There is something for every single one of us to respond to. How has God spoken to you? What do you need to seek the Lord about this morning? What do you need to submit to the Lord about this morning? As God has spoken to your heart, would you respond to him?